0: Shalom, mishpucha, Shalom, family. Mishpucha is a Hebrew word. It means family. We're the mishpucha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people, where the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile finally come down to form one new man, or as the Greek says, one new humanity, which will be a full dwelling place of God by His Spirit. And let it happen quickly, when the ancient Jewish spiritual DNA merges with the new covenant Gentile Christian spiritual DNA, then we'll see what Jesus prophesied. He said, you will do the same works that I have done and even greater. Well, I have a new friend, Eric Steckelbeck, on the Telephone, and uh, you've probably seen him on uh, Steckelbeck on Terrorism, host of uh, CBN, or perhaps you've seen him on uh, CNN or Glenn Beck Show or Bill O'Reilly or Sean Hannity. Uh, And uh, Eric, I am so intrigued by your brand new book, uh, The Brotherhood America's Next Enemy. Um, Why did you write this book?
1: Sid, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I wrote this book, The Brotherhood, America's Next Great Enemy, frankly, Sid, because I was dismayed about how the Muslim Brotherhood has been mainstreamed by our government and by the mainstream media. The Muslim Brotherhood, Sid, which is people need to know – the granddaddy of them all when it comes to modern Islamic terrorist groups. But
0: I have a picture of President Bush saying, we're going after 9-11. We are going after all of these people. And how can we have, as you put it, the granddaddy of all terrorism and terrorism groups as a moderate? I don't get it.
1: Yeah. And by the way, real quick, Sid, you mentioned 9-11. I make the point in the book that without the creation of the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt in 1928, 9-11 would have never happened. I say that without hesitation, Sid. Number one, everyone behind 9-11, from Osama bin Laden, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, the hijackers, before they joined, before they formed Al-Qaeda, they belonged to the Muslim Brotherhood. The Brotherhood is really the gateway drug to jihad, Islamic terrorism. Now, Sid, how have they become moderate, friendly, charming, mainstream fellows in the view of our government? I've interviewed them face to face.
0: I have a question for you because uh, uh, I, I've been reading your book, and uh, I mean, you can't put that thing down because it it tells you things that no media is telling you. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, how in the world uh, did they come up with such ingenious strategy of going from their ro from their Arab robes to uh, Madison Avenue suits. You know what it reminds me of? The the KKK tried that transition, uh, but they didn't quite make it.
1: Yeah, it really. You, we had a guy like David Duke, right, Sid, ran yeah. for office, wore suit. He was a Klansman. Look, with the Muslim Brotherhood, Sid, I lay it out in the book. I have interviewed Muslim Brotherhood leaders, members around the world, face to face. I've been in the same room as them, Sid. And as you said, they wear Armani suits. They are eloquent. Well-spoken, fluent in in English. Many of them were educated right here in America. If I didn't know any better, Sid, I'd I'd like them. I'd think they were very charming. And that's why the Muslim Brotherhood is so dangerous. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. They differ in tactics, Sid, from al-Qaeda. With al-Qaeda, like you said, they have the long robes, the flowing beards. We know what they want. But the Muslim Brotherhood is very subversive. They move in the shadows. They're able to infiltrate the U.S. government. Uh, academia, the media, get in the halls of power to push their agenda, which is exactly the same as al-Qaeda, said. Only the tactics differ. The end game is the same, and that is Islamic law, Islamic Sharia law for one and all, whether we want it or not.
0: Now, explain to me, in the Quran, uh, there are st- two stages of islam uh, stage one from what i understand is uh if you're in the minority this is what you do and you can even lie if you want to stage two is when you're in the majority uh just take over and, and it's either the sword or submit
1: <laughs> yeah this comes from muhammad himself sid islam's founder uh there is something called taqiyah. it's an arabic word everyone should know Taqiyah In English, it means deception. As you said, Sid, you are allowed to lie to the infidel, the unbeliever, to advance the cause of Islam. And Muhammad himself, very politically incorrect for me to say this, but Muhammad himself did it. He struck a peace treaty with his enemies, Sid. I believe it was a 10-year peace treaty with his enemies in Arabia as Islam was getting off the ground. As soon as Muhammad and his followers, the first Muslims, became strong enough They broke the peace treaty and attacked their enemies. This was deception. This is the Muslim Brotherhood. Look, they will ingratiate themselves into a society, Sid. I compare them to termites. They eat away at a society, at a country from within. But the final stage, when they are strong enough, when they have the numbers, is violent jihad. Jihad takeover. That's the goal, not only in Egypt, but here in America.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I want you to help me because this is your expertise. Uh, uh, f- uh, f- the first I remember hearing about this was President Bush and then, then of course, President Obama, uh, which ha- has the mantra of Islam is a peace-loving religion. Uh, if my limited knowledge says that doesn't make sense. Where in the world did they get that from?
1: Yeah, you know, Sid, shall we compare Yeshua, the Prince of Peace, with Muhammad, who even Muslims will tell you is a man of war? Where did they get that from, Sid? I think it's a lack of understanding of knowledge about our enemy. What is the first rule of war? Know your enemy. Anyone who says Islam is a religion of peace, it's just intellectual dishonesty. There's no way you could say that, Sid, and I say that for three reasons. Number one, the history of Islam— Older and current is littered with violence, with conquest, with bloodshed. Number two, Islam's prophet, Muhammad, was a man of war. He was a warrior who, by the way, slaughtered Jewish tribes. And number three, Islam's core texts, the Quran, the Hadiths, again, are littered with calls to violence. So any intellectually honest, knowledgeable person can never say that Islam
0: is a religion. But but wait a second. The Muslim next door, all he wants to do is make a living uh, and and, uh, take care of his family. Uh, So – but where does he fit in once they're in the majority? Uh, Do you think he'll go along with this uh, whole uh, Islamic law or do you think he'll say, no, I'm going to stand up because I'm an American?
1: Well, if the gun is to his head, Sid, he may have no choice. All of us may have no choice but to go along with Sharia law. But you make a great point here, and this is a crucial distinction I want to make. There are moderate Muslims out there. Yes, many of them who do not want jihad, who do not want Sharia law, who just want to make a living. Sid, I document it in the book. I've worked with Muslims like this who oppose the Muslim Brotherhood. But many times I find that the moderate Muslims are more secular-minded Muslims. Maybe they're in the mosque once, twice a year during Ramadan. In Christianity, Sid, we would call them the twice-a-year people, right? Christmas right. and Easter. Well, that's the moderate Muslims, most of them I've come across, are not very serious about their Islam. The more serious, the more fundamentalist the Muslim, the more radical many times I've found, Sid, in my research – they become, while there are moderate Muslims, without a doubt.
0: So what are these moderates going to do when uh, Sharia law comes into effect?
1: Well, they will either yield to it, Sid, and they will succumb to Sharia law, or they will suffer just as Christians and Jews will. With
0: Okay, for those that don't know what Sharia law, what repercussion would it have, say, on the United States if we had it?
1: Yeah, Here is Islamic Sharia law, Sid. This is what Muslims practice in places like Iran, Sudan, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan under the Taliban. What that entails is no women's rights, no human rights, no freedom of religion. Jews, Christians, second-class citizens, homosexuals are executed, thrown from buildings. There is no freedom of speech. There is no freedom of thought, freedom of conscience. Conscience, everything revolves around the Sharia, Islamic law. It is a totalitarian system, Sid, that is incompatible with the U.S. Constitution, regardless of what slick Muslim Brotherhood spokesmen, who I describe in the book, tell us.
0: Uh, let's just start a little bit on the history of the Muslim Brotherhood. Who are they? Where did they come from?
1: The Muslim Brotherhood, also known, Sid, as the Ikhwan, were founded in 1928 in Egypt. It's almost a century old, this movement, and they were founded by a guy named Hassan al-Banna. Now, the reason he created this group, Sid, was because he was devastated by the collapse of the Islamic Caliphate. Now, everyone needs to remember that word, Caliphate. What that is, Sid, is a union of every Muslim nation. Picture a united Muslim states where every Muslim nation is united into one powerful entity, united economically, politically, militarily, controlling a good amount of the world's oil, speaking with one powerful voice at the UN against Israel in particular. That is a formidable foe, and the Muslim world had that, Sid. They had this caliphate for centuries. Then, after World War I, it collapsed. It was gone. In the eyes of Muslims around the world, particularly radical Muslims, this was a great tragedy. They want this caliphate to return. That's why the Muslim Brotherhood was founded in Egypt, and when Mohammed Morsi... The Egyptian president came to power. They were thrilled, Sid, because they thought the day was at hand. The long-awaited caliphate was about to return. That's what every Islamic terror group said, from the Brotherhood to Hamas to al-Qaeda to the Iranians, whether they're Sunni, Shia, whatever, they want this caliphate.
0: Okay, we're, we're out of time right here. I'm going to tell you something. You will, for the first time in your life, understand, number one, How evil, and that's the only word I can use, how diabolical, and that's another word I have to use, the Muslim Brotherhood is, and how they're entrenching themselves in America in business, in in the universities. They're building mosques as quickly as they can, and their agenda to Radicalize American Muslims, tied in with End Time Bible Prophecy, a must-reading book. Call a right today, and he has two CDs updating on what's going on in the Middle East right now. It's called The book is called The Brotherhood. We're making it available for a gift of $40. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697. How are we going to judge where we are in end times and uh, how we should pray unless we get understanding? And understanding, that's why I'm interviewing Eric Steckelbeck. You probably have seen him on uh, uh, CNN or Fox or Glenn Beck or Bill O'Reilly, or Sean Hannity, or perhaps his own uh, show. Uh, He's an expert on the Middle East, Islamic terrorism. Uh, You've probably seen him. Uh, He's the host on CBN of uh, Steckelbeck on terrorism. Uh, And, uh, Eric, on yesterday's broadcast, there is a group in the news. This whole Arab Spring, you see at the forefront, almost as if they were organized to jump in, and control the political scene, the Muslim Brotherhood, uh, and most people don't know who they are. Uh, if I go by what I read in the newspapers, uh, I mean, is it true that this Muslim Brotherhood, over the last uh, calendar year or so, has been at the White House over a hundred times? Is that true,
1: uh, Sid? This is absolutely true, and I lay it out in my new book that Muslim Brotherhood-linked individuals, and in the book I name names. Groups and individuals that are linked to this totalitarian, violent movement called the Muslim Brotherhood have been guests at our White House, Sid,
0: and they— Wait till our people find out who they really are. On yesterday's broadcast, uh, you started telling the history of them. Uh, Would you continue?
1: Sure, Sid. This group was founded in 1928 in Egypt. It is a global movement. The Muslim Brotherhood is present in some 80 countries around the world, including right here in America. This is the most influential, the oldest Islamic radical movement, Sid. So founded in 1928 in Egypt, their founding motto, the creed they live by, today still, reads in part, Sid, Jihad is our way, dying in the way of Allah is our highest hope. This whole notion of martyrdom, of suicide bombings, it started with the Brotherhood. They spawned al-Qaeda, said Every major al-Qaeda leader from Osama bin Laden on down, before they formed al-Qaeda, they belonged to the Muslim Brotherhood. Hamas, which has killed American citizens, which is slaughtering Jewish women and children every day, they are the self-identified Palestinian branch of, yes, the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, Sid, in the 1930s and 1940s, as the Brotherhood was getting off the ground in Egypt, they collaborated closely with the Nazis. The Brotherhood worked with Hitler's war machine to exterminate the Jews, to extend the final solution to the Jews of the Middle East. They also participated in the invasion of Israel— in 1948, Sid, joining the Arab armies trying to snuff out the miraculous rebirth of Israel. Anti Semitism is one of the bedrocks of the Muslim Brotherhood. They are the vanguard of global anti Semitism today, Sid. And in the book, I call them Hitler's heirs
0: today. Tell me just a little bit. Wet our appetite. You go into detail in your book, but tell me about the secret. Brotherhood documents that were found in by the Swiss.
1: Yeah, said it is called, it has become known these documents as the project. Now, after nine eleven, everyone's censors were up about Islamic radicalism, Islamic terrorism, and the Muslim Brotherhood has been the main driving force through the years of Islamic terrorism. So, Swiss authorities raided the luxurious villa of a leading global Muslim Brotherhood operative. And they found a treasure trove of documents, Sid, and one of them caught their interest in particular. It has become known in intelligence and law enforcement circles as the project. And what the project is, basically, is the Muslim Brotherhood's blueprint to conquer the West, to conquer Europe, conquer America from within. And one of their strategies, Sid, and we're seeing them do it to perfection here in America – is to get positions of influence, whether it's in the government, at the universities, in the media. Get positions of influence. Control the conversation. Control the narrative. I'll give you a great example, Sid, with Palestinian suicide bombers. I've interviewed Muslim Brotherhood spokesmen face-to-face. This is how they frame it. They say this is not terrorism, what the Palestinians are doing to Israel. It's occupation. It's uh, resistance against illegal occupation. That's how they've been able to frame it. It's just resistance. The poor Palestinians have no other choice. But to blow themselves up and take Israeli women and children with them, it's resistance to occupation. This is the kind of strategy that's laid out in the project, Sid, and it enables the Muslim Brotherhood and their minions to control the conversation here in the West and also to charm the pants off of Western leaders who take what they say at face value.
0: Just out of curiosity, uh, how did they get so sharp? How did they start dressing like Madison Avenue, coming up with PR techniques that are so outrageous? I guess Barnum would call it the big lie. (laughs) I mean, how?
1: Yes, Sid, you know, they started the brotherhood from their inception. I have to say early on in Egypt, their founder, a guy named Hassan al-Banna, he did not wear the long robes. He wore a suit. He would wear the old Egyptian fez, the old hat many in Egypt would wear, but he wore a suit. From the beginning, they were able to kind of stand apart from the other movements. That's why they're so diabolical, Sid, so effective and so dangerous. Suit The standard Muslim Brotherhood outfit, a suit, a tie, all of them, most of them, fluent in English, many of them, Western-educated, eloquent to the Western English-speaking media, they say all the right things, said Yes, we support democracy. Yes, we support the peace treaty with Israel. But when the cameras aren't rolling and you get them in front of Arabic media, the story is much different. Death to Israel, no democracy, Islamic Sharia law must rule over one and all.
0: Uh, okay. The uh, average American doesn't know the flip side, which you explain very articulately in your book, The Brotherhood, America's Next Great uh, Enemy. But uh, certainly our administration knows what you've just just came out of your mouth. How can can they, in good faith, call these people moderates? How can they entertain them in the White House a hundred times? How can the press be in awe of them?
1: Yeah, I think when people read how I document this in the book, Sid, I think they're going to pull out their hair in frustration. Look, there's two tracks here.
0: Uh, b- by the way, uh, do we as a country financially support the Muslim Brotherhood?
1: Of course, Sid. Look, when Mohamed Morsi for thankfully only a brief period of time was the president of Egypt for about a year, we were sending him billions of dollars in U.S. taxpayer, I might add, financial aid. So yes, we have supported the Muslim Brotherhood around the world. Why do we do it, Sid? there's two tracks here. On the first track, you have the State Department bureaucrats, the, the the geniuses inside the Washington Beltway where I'm sitting right now. They see the Brotherhood as a counterweight to Al-Qaeda. They say, hey, the Muslim Brotherhood has changed its spots. They're not bad anymore. They're not blowing anyone up yet. So let's use them as a counterweight against the really bad guys in Al-Qaeda. The other track, Sid, and I believe this includes President Obama himself, is the rev revolutionary leftist kind of ideology that many in our administration, unfortunately, have, which sees radical Islamists
0: as an ally of sorts. But, but, but wait a second. How could a, a, a leftist pair up with, with some of the theology of, of Islam? Sid, this is
1: such a strange phenomenon. I have an entire chapter about it in the book. Remember this. Hardcore leftists and hardcore radical Islamist. Many, many differences, of course.
0: And now just for the, our audience, uh, define leftist.
1: A leftist would be as someone who basically in my view Sid a hard leftist wants a socialist state wants America to be a socialist country on the pre living by the precepts of Karl Marx someone who is not fond of judeo-christian Western civilization and wants to turn it on its head turn the US Constitution at the end of the day upside down and chip away at the traditions of America the traditional uh, family values and family structure of America to me that is is a hardcore leftist. And the hardcore Islamists have a different strategy, a different goal, but they share a common foe. Said so Islamists leftist, the common foe is Again, traditional Judeo-Christian Western civilization. Both sides want to turn it on its head. Now, the Islamists want Sharia law. The leftists, I guess they, they think they'll have some socialist utopia, but they both despise traditional America. So they will work together, strange as it sounds. You'll see them marching arm-in-arm at anti-war rallies. You'll see the leftist, and not just hardcore leftists, sit. I have to say, common liberals— Uh, especially here on Capitol Hill, just your average everyday liberal, have carried the water of radical Islamists. I've seen it with my own two eyes at hearings on Capitol Hill. Just your average everyday liberal, even. Uh, But
0: but, but a liberal wants to have rights for homosexuals, rights uh, for—I still can't see them pairing— Together. I know
1: I, it is madness, <laughs> but this is how slick and savvy the Brotherhood is. And in these documents, and we talked about the project, it literally said talks about working with leftists and those we don't agree with.
0: Eric, you came to the Lord, for, as I, I study it, uh, God used your father, who had a great love for Bible prophecy. But he also used a book on prophecy by Hal Lindsey, like Great Planet Earth. Uh, However, uh, the thing that intrigues me even more is what happened to you in 2008 in Israel.
1: You know, Sid, I have never heard the Lord. Unfortunately, I've never heard the Lord audibly in my ear. I wish he'd say, Samuel, Samuel, like he did to young Samuel. I wish. I'm waiting for that day. But the Lord has spoken powerfully to my heart on several occasions. And Sid, in November 2008, my very first time in the land of Israel, a lifelong dream, I went to the Western Wall, and I'm standing there. I'm trying to take it all in, and I feel powerfully on my heart. Help my people. Now, he wasn't talking about the Amish people or the Mormon people. Clearly, in the land of Israel, God was talking about helping the Jewish people, the land of Israel and the Jewish people. And suddenly, Sid, it all made sense. This lifelong passion for Israel, for prophecy, a lifetime of friendships with Jewish friends, coaches, mentors, teachers, it all began to make sense to me. This is why I'm here. This is why God has me in this field of covering counterterrorism, of warning about the threats against Israel, against America. It hit me like a ton of bricks, Sid, in Jerusalem, in the Eternal City, and that started my path to embracing our Lord and Savior, Yeshua, living for Yeshua, leaving all the consequences to Yeshua, and just walking with the Lord.
0: Well, you you told me some very supernatural things that have occurred for you to have this new book. Uh, You told me about uh, uh, several situations where angels were involved, but I personally believe you were supernaturally helped to get these interviews. I mean, the heads of Islamic terror groups, why would they even let you interview them? Sid, I'm
1: asked that question all the time. And first of all, when you go into these situations, I always pray Psalm 91, God will give his angels charge over you. And even the tightest situations, Isaiah 54, no weapons formed against you will prosper. Why do they talk to me, Sid? I'm still trying to figure it out. Don't these guys have Google? Can't they Google my name and see what I'm all about? I think it's the Lord's hand, number one. I think number two, Sid, from my experience, these guys love to hear the sound of their own voice. They are very arrogant individuals. Number two, they want to get their message out. And number three, they they see me, a Western journalist, and they automatically assume he's just another naive, liberal Western journalist. We can spin him like a top and use him to spout our propaganda to the world. But at the end of the day, the Lord is opening those doors for sure.
0: And for those that perhaps didn't hear Monday or Tuesday, I urge everyone to listen this entire week and, and get your brand new book and the two update CDs that we'll tell you about in a few minutes, but uh, you you state the Muslim Brotherhood was the first of the modern terrorists, and they literally spawned groups like Al-Qaeda, like Hamas. Uh, I mean, uh, this is not a friend. And you also point out, uh, and especially through these secret documents, which I want to find out more about, uh, that uh, just like Hitler wrote in Mein Kampf, exactly what his strategy was to do, and the world didn't pay any attention. We know the strategy of the Muslim Brotherhood, and you call it America's next great enemy. Tell us more of the strategy from these uh, secret documents that you're aware of.
1: Sid, isn't it amazing? We actually have the enemy's plans in our possession. Our own government has these secret Muslim Brotherhood documents. This is the equivalent, as you said, of having the Nazi plans during World War II, of having Stalin's plans during the Cold War. We know their game plan. Sid, in 2004, right outside of Washington, D.C., the FBI conducted a raid. They raided the home of a leading Muslim Brotherhood operative just 10 minutes from the White House. In his home, they found box upon box of official Muslim Brotherhood documents written in Arabic. Now, when these documents were translated, they provided the Muslim Brotherhood's blueprint for America. And what that is, Sid, in the Brotherhood's own words, is, quote, "...to destroy Western civilization, America, from within." And in these documents, Sid, the Brotherhood names names. They have a list of all their friends and all the organizations who they are connected to in America. The end game is, again, destroy Western civilization from within. And they are very, very patient.
0: Give me – and by the way, that is such a key factor. Uh, We in America think of everything instant. But they just they're just goals uh, oriented. Uh, They don't care how long it takes. But give me an idea of their strategy with, say, uh, the mosques that are going up in America.
1: You know, Sid, it's no coincidence that since 2000, in a little over a decade, the number of mosques in America has doubled from 1,200 to over 2,200. And that's since 9-11, Sid. That is astounding, and that is not a coincidence. The reason I say that is because these secret Muslim Brotherhood documents that we're discussing, and again, Sid, our government has these documents in its possession. These documents call mosques or Islamic centers, which is a much more benign term.
0: It sounds they, they like they posture them as neighborhood centers like the YMCA. yeah
1: it's just like your local "why," Sid, move along. Nothing to see here, nothing to fear. They call mosques, does the Brotherhood, the axis of their movement, where battalions are supplied. They compare the mosque, the Islamic center, to a beehive, the center of activity. And, Sid, I describe in the book, I've been in these Islamic enclaves throughout America, throughout Europe, and the mosque is always the centerpiece You're seeing them now in America, in rural areas. People might not know that multi-million dollar mega mosques are being built in places like the Bible Belt near Nashville, Tennessee, in the heartland, Columbus, Ohio, it's not just the traditional gateway immigrant cities like New York, L.A. No, this strategy is to spread out across a wide geographical area from coast to coast. This is the Brotherhood strategy. Right,
0: okay, but what is going on in the mosque? This is just Muslims praying. That's what we think anyway.
1: Of course, and we freedom of religion in this country, of course, And not every mosque is a terror hotbed, but enough mosques have been terror hotbeds, Sid, that we need to stand up and take notice at their rapid spread in this country. I document in the book several instances of mosques being used to plot terrorism. I also document how the Muslim Brotherhood controls many American mosques. Sid, I'll give you an example. The Boston bombers, who killed three people, wounded 264 more at the Boston Marathon, These two young men attended a Muslim Brotherhood-controlled mosque.
0: Okay, what what you indicate is the Muslim Brotherhood's agenda from these secret documents is to turn out a new breed of domestically radicalized terrorists. Yes. In the book, I
1: call it Mosques, Enclaves, Victory. Basically, with the mosque, with the Islamic Center, if you build it, they will come. That's the Muslim Brotherhood's philosophy. They build the mosque, Sid, as a sort of beachhead. Oftentimes, I've found in my investigations that they'll build the mosque in a non-Muslim area where there's a very small Muslim population. All of a sudden... More and more Muslims come to the area. They move in. They surround the mosque. Non-Muslims move out. After a while, all the stores in the area have Arabic on their signs. After a while, you have Friday prayers spilling out into the surrounding streets, the call to prayer wafting through the area five times a day. And there you have it. That
0: Uh, that sounds i tell you, I go to Israel a lot, and that is— A very disturbing, disconcerting sound. I wouldn't like it in my neighborhood.
1: Could you imagine? But we see it in the Detroit, Michigan area in some places, for instance, Sid. uh, You know, in the heartland of America,
0: we are seeing that. Okay, let me ask you a question. How much do groups like the Muslim Brotherhood control our media?
1: Well, controlling the media, the American media, good question. We know they are regulars as guests in the American media, Sid. We know that these are, the guy, these are the go-to guys for CNN, for the New York Times. These are the moderate American Muslim spokesmen. I can tell you that Al Jazeera The infamous Al Jazeera network, which, by the way, has a growing operation right here in America. Al Jazeera, without a doubt, is flooded with Muslim Brotherhood sympathizers. As a matter of fact, Sid, in Egypt, the government there, the new military government, actually shut down Al Jazeera because it was so pro-Muslim Brotherhood. And isn't this great, Sid? Now Al Jazeera is coming to a TV set near you here in America.
0: I, I, I'll tell you, I just believe every Christian in America must read your brand new book, The Brotherhood, America's Next Great Enemy. You really believe that? You really believe The Brotherhood is America's Next Great Enemy?
1: I do, Sid. I say that for a few reasons. Look,
0: this this group— the- I'll tell you what. We'll hold that thought till tomorrow's broadcast. But uh, I want you to get this book. Why? Because— <laughs> The Muslims have a strategy. The radical ones and and the others. I'm going to tell you something. When it's a sword or just follow your Quran, people are going to follow the Quran. Uh, they're opening uh, businesses. They're controlling our education. They're controlling our our news. They're building mosques all the uh, all all over the United States and the heartland. They're radicalizing American Muslims. Uh, just just the Boston Marathon on bombers. <laughs> they, they came out of this sort of situation. And then in addition to the book that reveals their strategy step by step, the two CDs updating because things are happening so quickly that we have to have these two CDs. And so the brand new book, The Brotherhood, we're making available for a gift of $40. Call or right today. Call our order only line 1-800- 447 2697 447 2697 I'm interviewing Eric Steckelbeck and on his brand new book, The Brotherhood, America's Next Great Enemy. Why do you say the Muslim Brotherhood Eric, is America's next great enemy?
1: Remember Sid, the Muslim Brotherhood is the main driving force behind all of the terrorism we see today. It's not just the Brotherhood that's America's next great enemy. It's this whole global radical Islamic movement, led by the Brotherhood, but including its offshoots like Al Qaeda, like Hamas, like homegrown jihadists, the Boston Bomber types, Ford Hood shooter, these types of individuals, Sid, all of them stem from the Brotherhood and from the Muslim Brotherhood's radical ideology. And also by the way, The Iranian regime, the Iranians, Hezbollah, not to get too in the weeds theologically, but Sunni and Shia... Yeah, they're at each other's throats often, but when it comes to killing Christians and Jews, they get along just fine. I believe this is the next, it's the current enemy now, Sid, really, Uh, since 9-11 in particular, this this threat, this Islamic terror threat has come to the forefront and it's got staying power, Sid. This has been 1,400 years of jihad. What we're seeing now is just the latest phase.
0: Okay. The average American, Uh, They're kind of interested in the uprisings and what's going on uh, in the Middle East and the changing of administrations and what's happening in Israel. Uh, But why should the average American and in particular the average American Christian be concerned about these things going on so far away?
1: Number one, Sid, let's look at Egypt, which has been the main power base of the Muslim Brotherhood. Now, when the Brotherhood was overthrown by the Egyptian military, the Brotherhood was only in power for one year. Mohamed Morsi kicked out by the Egyptian military. I believe the Brotherhood will not go quietly. I'm very concerned, Sid, that what we're going to see is civil war in Egypt and sustained civil unrest. Now, if the Brotherhood and its radical allies...
0: Oh, oh, I've read statements that uh, the Brotherhood in Egypt says, we're going to fight to the death.
1: If they and their allies decide to do that, Sid, if they decide to wage a jihad against the Egyptian military, we could see a few things. One thing we could see is a campaign of terrorism. Imagine, Sid, if the Suez Canal was targeted by terrorism. Now,
0: that's where a good amount of the world's oil passes through every day. Uh, What repercussion would that have on us Americans if that happened?
1: Every American would feel it, Sid. Every time they went to the pump to fill up, they would feel it in their pocketbook. Oil and gas. Gas prices would soar if the Suez Canal was shut down. And if Egypt, the world's most influential, most populous Arab nation, if it descends into civil war, the global economy is going to feel it. Look, Egypt right now, Sid, is moving towards famine, starvation. I'm not exaggerating. The Egyptian economy is so bad right now that there's talk of potential. And,
0: And they're massacring Christians. Why are they doing that in Egypt?
1: The ideology, Sid, the Islamist ideology of many in Egypt, whether it's a Muslim brotherhood or look, the Egyptian military also has not been kind to Egypt's Christians, but this is biblical, Sid. This is throughout the Middle East and North Africa. Christians in the birthplace, the cradle of Christianity, are on the run. They're being tortured, harassed, murdered. They're fleeing the Middle East. This is very biblical. Jesus said we would suffer for our faith. It's not going to be easy. Yeshua tells us it's not going to be easy in the latter days. And remember, a prophecy to remember about Egypt, Isaiah 19, and I'm paraphrasing here, Sid, talks about in the latter days a cruel master rising to power in Egypt it talks about every Egyptian against every Egyptian brother against brother and I believe Sid it could be prophesying Isaiah may have been prophesying about a future civil war in Egypt and don't count out a potential war with Israel another another reason people here need to care if Egypt, Israel go to war the region's on fire the whole world is going to feel that as well
0: and, and comment just briefly. Uh, Turkey used to be the least religious country of all of them, and all of a sudden, uh, it's flipped from being a friend to the Israel and the United States to an enemy.
1: You know, Sid, I have an entire chapter on the Turkish threat in my new book. Turkey, in 2002, Sid, took a turn for the worse. Basically, the Turkish version of, yes, the Muslim Brotherhood came to power in Turkey. It is now led by a man named Erdogan. Now, he is a lifelong anti-Semite. I describe in my book his history. He's an enemy of Israel, but he is a friend to President Obama. Sid, as a matter of fact, President Obama talks to this Turkish President Erdogan, more than any other world leader, other than David Cameron from Britain, they are fast friends. Is our president and this radical Islamist Turkish leader?
0: Uh, speaking of uh, strange bedfellows, uh, there was an organi- There is an organization called Occupy Wall Street. Uh, you're, in your book, you tell us who financially supported them. Tell us.
1: Yeah, Occupy Wall Street, everyone remembers, Sid. This was an anarchist, communist, uh, Marxist rally against the American system, against American capitalism. Very strange that radical Islamists around the world supported this movement vocally. Everyone from the Iranian regime to the Muslim Brotherhood, Hamas, Hezbollah, all these jihadists around the world, all of them, Sid, issued statements supporting the communists and anarchists and atheists at Occupy Wall Street. Now, why would they do that? Because our radical Islamic enemies support any movement that weakens the fabric of America. You didn't see them supporting the Tea Party movement, Sid, because that- That was in favor of a strong traditional America. But Occupy Wall Street, which sought to tear America down from within, the Islamists were all for it. No surprise there.
0: Now, you say that America is losing in this battle with radical Islam or the Muslim Brotherhood. Uh, Why do you say that?
1: The main problem is political correctness. We have yet to admit who we're facing. Who are we fighting, Sid? Our government tells us we're fighting violent extremists. Okay, are these Hindu extremists, A Buddhist extremists? No, we're in a war against Islamic jihadists, Islamists, This is a totalitarian ideology. It is a seamless transition from Nazism to communism to Islamism. Not every Muslim is an Islamist, but there is a significant portion of the Muslim world that, yes, subscribes to the Osama bin Laden brand of Islam. Yet we can't admit what we're up against, Sid. I'll give you an example of how pathetic, and I use that word, pathetic it's become with our head-in-the-sand philosophy. The Fort Hood shooter— Nidal Hassan, who slaughtered 13 American servicemen, yelled Allahu Akbar as he was doing it, in the Pentagon's official review of that attack, and I describe this in the book, they called that terrorist rampage workplace violence. That's how our own government, Sid, identified the Fort Hood terrorist attack, workplace violence. He just had a bad day at the office and went and killed 13 people. That's a problem.
0: Why? Is the secular press afraid of telling the truth about Muslim Brotherhood? Or are they conned? What do you think?
1: I think they're conned, first of all, Sid, as you and I have discussed. The Muslim Brotherhood are the dirtiest players in the game. Man, they are slick. They are media savvy. They wear suits and ties. They'll, they'll tell you everything you want to hear. So, yes, they're conned. Secondly, the mainstream liberal media consistently supports what they see as the underdog. And right now, big bad America is oppressing those poor uh, unfortunate Muslims. That's another mind frame of the media. And Sid, also, remember, the many in the media are gatekeepers, are committed leftists. So they see the Islamists who are chipping away at the fabric of America, and they kind of like it because they don't like traditional America either.
0: Well, your book is brand new, The Brotherhood, America's Next Great Enemy. But uh, you've had some uh, pretty substantial people review your book. Uh, Tell me what uh, Glenn Beck had to say about your new book.
1: Glenn, uh, who's supported my work, I, you know, he's he's been great to me, Sid. He called the book genius. Uh, never been called a genius before. My wife has to laugh at that one. She says the opposite. But Glenn called it genius, uh, very indebted to him. Alan West, who was a brave American serviceman, was a congressman, said it's a must-read. Michelle Bachman, who everyone knows, ran for president recently. She also said it's a must-read for every American. So I'm flattered. I'm honored uh, that, that such influential, strong people uh, would get behind the book, and that's my goal with this book, Sid. I want to get it in the hands of every lawmaker on Capitol Hill, every decision-maker in this country, and make a difference Open eyes and, and help to lift the scale, with the help of the Holy Spirit, lift the scales from our decision-makers' eyes and wake them up to this Muslim Brotherhood threat. The fox is guarding the
0: hen house, and time is short and getting shorter. If we don't wake up and face... Uh, speaking of the fox guarding the hen henhouse... Uh... Even the the most conservative press, Fox News, a high percentage of it is owned by Muslims. But the thing that I I want to leave this thought with you, uh, from his book, historically, uh, the Muslim Brotherhood collaborated with the Nazis, assassinated Anwar Sadat, uh, helped found Al Qaeda. You can't call this a moderate group. I believe by your new book, Eric. You are going to be informing Christians throughout the world of who this Muslim Brotherhood really is. I have to ask you a question, though. Uh, I have heard and I've, I've witnessed this, that uh, many of our universities, they have gigantic, beautiful buildings, schools of Islam. Uh, the professors—that's all paid for uh, by Islam— it's all—the professors, all their salaries are paid for. Uh, why would universities be so top-heavy with Islam?
1: Sid, I'm sitting right now in Washington, D.C., just a few miles from one of the universities you're talking about, Georgetown University, one of our preeminent educational institutions in this country.
0: Why, why would a Catholic university <laughs> have, a, have a school of Islam, a gigantic school of Islam?
1: Money talks. The Saudis said, the Saudi government, uh, or private uh, donors from Saudi Arabia, donated $20 million. A Saudi prince named Al Walid bin Talal donated $20 million to Georgetown to have an Islamic uh, center of learning built where uh, Islamic studies. Are, uh, are taught so twenty million dollars at Georgetown, twenty million Saudi dollars at Harvard, probably our mo- one of our most famous educational institutions, they are literally Sid buying influence in this country on college campuses, and in my book, I talk about what 's going on on our campuses with radical Islamists, one group in particular. The Muslim Students Association. They are the largest Muslim group in North America on college campuses. They're in hundreds and hundreds of college campuses across the U.S., across Canada. This is a Muslim Brotherhood front group. And it's not just me saying it, Sid. The Muslim Brotherhood's own documents identify this Muslim Students Association as a Muslim Brotherhood organization. Yet this is the most influential student group among Muslims on our college campuses, and they are the leaders many times of this vicious anti-Semitism we see at our university.
0: You know what I find interesting? I believe this next outpouring of God's Spirit It's going to directly affect young people, college students, and it's almost as if the devil is putting in his biggest forces against these college students uh, with the, the Muslim agenda.
1: Yeah, the forces of evil want to get them while they're young, Sid. You know, the Marxists, the communists, they used to say, we might not get you, but we'll get your children. And the Islamists see it the same way. And the enemy, as you said, the devil works through these radical evil forces to get the youth first.
0: Uh, now, now l- l- let me take you back to these secret documents uh, that you actually spell out in your new book. Uh, how... how- were they so foolish to to let these documents be stolen that that have their entire strategy from A to z? You know, said this is
1: real James Bond type stuff. Now listen to this: a leading Muslim Brotherhood operative living just outside of Washington D.C. was captured filming the Bay Bridge in Maryland. It's a large, long structure in Maryland that a lot of traffic goes over each and every day.
0: No, I, I remember saying that on the news. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, this Muslim Brotherhood operative was captured filming it. Hmm, I guess it was just for the scenery, right? So the FBI raided his home outside of Washington, D.C., and what they found, Sid, was beneath his basement a secret sub-basement, which contained some 80 boxes of Muslim Brotherhood documents written in Arabic. So the FBI got a hold of these documents, they translated them, and in these documents... They outline the Brotherhood's plan for America. And in their own words, Sid, it is to destroy Western civilization, America, from within. So we have in our possession, the, our government has in its possession, the Muslim Brotherhood's official blueprint for America. Instead of crushing this group, defeating this group, which is inherently anti-American, we are empowering them and embracing them, Sid, at every...
0: Explain this to me. Uh, Here we have these secret documents. Here we know their strategy. Here we know who they are. Why is it in our own government, in the highest echelons, we have Muslims?
1: Yeah, I think it's twofold, Sid. I think number one, there's one part of our government which says, Hey, the Muslim Brotherhood, they don't really mean what they say. How could they? Look at them. These guys wear suits and ties. They're eloquent. They're Western educated. These are good guys. We can trust them. And others in our government uh kind of share the Brotherhood goal of seeing a different kind of America. They're not fans of Judeo Christian Western civilization. Now the left doesn't want Sharia law. But they don't want Judeo-Christian, biblically-based kind of principles in this country either. Strange bedfellows. We've seen them work together. So these Islamists have been able to con themselves into advising our government, Sid, in the book I Name Names, how Muslim Brotherhood-linked individuals are actually advising our Department of Homeland Security. Oh, no! What? Yes, on its counterterrorism policies. It is the fox guarding the hen house.
0: We're in big trouble. All, all, all right. Our time is slipping away. But uh, on the secret strategy, uh, explain uh, what their strategy is of starting a Muslim state within a state in the United States. They're working it to perform
1: in Europe. Look at Europe, Sid, as kind of the test lab for what the Muslim Brotherhood wants to do in America. Now, this state within a state that you mentioned, an enclave, an Islamic enclave, it starts with the mosque. That is a key point that the Muslim Brotherhood makes in all of their strategy documents, we need to build large Islamic centers, as they call them, from coast to coast.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I, I remember by, by the, where nine eleven happened, the big controversy. They were they were going to buy, bring, you know, just build a neighborhood center for the youth, like a YMCA. Why the big uproar? I remember all the news commentators defending them.
1: The Ground Zero Mosque, which, by the way, President Obama came out and supported. So they want to duplicate those Ground Zero Mosques, sit in every corner of the country, including the Heartland and the Bible Belt. They're succeeding. I describe it in the book. Once the mosque is built, then the enclave can begin. All of the property, all of the homes around the Islamic Center get bought up by the Muslim Brotherhood, by their allies – In their documents, they call the mosque. They compare it to a beehive, the center of their activity. Now, we see this in Europe. They're doing it to perfection. I've I've walked the streets of these enclaves Sit in Europe, places like London, Germany, Paris. I describe it in the book how these Muslim areas are no-go zones for even the police are afraid to go there. You have many little states within a state controlled by Islamic law operating in places like Great Britain, in East London.
0: Why would the police be afraid to go there?
1: Because they know they'll be attacked. They are not welcome. These enclaves, the, the folks who live in these Islamist enclaves, make it abundantly clear to the police that they are not welcome.
0: So, so, And this is the strategy for America?
1: It is a strategy for America, and we're seeing drips and drabs of it. We've seen the number of mosques in America double. Since the year 2000 alone, Sid, we see a place like Dearborn, Michigan, which has the largest uh, Arab Muslim population in America. We had an incident there, Sid, in 2012, where a group of Christian evangelists was at an Arab uh, festival in Dearborn, Michigan, just outside of Detroit. They were preaching the gospel to Muslims. Sid, they were literally stoned. The Muslims there surrounded them, dozens, and threw large stones at these Christian evangelists. This is outside of Detroit, Michigan. This is in the United States of America. Evangelists stoned. This is Dearborn, Michigan. It's a place to watch. A Hezbollah hotbed, I might add.
0: I, I believe that every Christian should have read Mein Kampf by Adolf Hitler to find out what Hitler was up to before he did what he said he would do. I believe that every Christian must read your book on the Muslim Brotherhood, which outlines exactly what they're going to do before they do it, so we can pray against this. And your two update CDs, because things are happening worldwide so rapidly, we package both together for a gift of $40. But I want to tell you something I am so excited about what God is up to, I am moving into such intimacy with God, and those that are listening to our broadcast and getting our materials and part of our mentoring program are moving—some are moving faster than me. I'm getting such positive feedback. But I believe that when you get this book on the Muslim Brotherhood, you're going to pray and a lot of their intentions are going to be aborted. But no matter what happens, no weapon formed against you will prosper. So we're making the book, the two CDs available for a gift of $40, Shabbat broadcast. The Lord is blessing you right now. The Lord, he's smiling upon you right now. The Lord is gifting you right now. The Lord is surrounding you with his favor right now. The Lord is giving you his shalom, his completeness in your spirit, in your soul, and in your body right now in the name that is above every sickness and fear and problem, Yeshua HaMashiach Tsikenu, Jesus the Messiah, our righteousness.
1: Ihr vergeh't ad und
0: nei, weh geschmarre. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me. Sid Roth, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime. 1-800-447-2697 one eight hundred four four seven two six nine seven. 447 2697 For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, send a donation to Sid Roth. That's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina. 28278.